was Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower. You're listening to Russell Brand live on Radio 2. This is me now doing some actual talking. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for listening to me. There you know, is my typical co-host. Last week we had the delightful Noel Fielding. I think later on we'll be talking to him. In addition to Noel Gallagher, I'm going to ring him up because he's got some views. I sort of I spoke to him briefly on the phone the other day. He seemed like he was going to try and say something and wind me up. He had that sort of air about him. With me here in this room is, of course, the show's poet laureate, Mr G. Hello, Mr G. How you doing? You fighting with your microphone? I'm at war with it, mate, because it's acting like a little metal triffid, right? Because I, I like my microphone to be straight, like a, a stand-up comedy microphone stand. This is what I was arguing. I was, it was a world of angles, right? It was like a graph. It yeah. was like a mountain range. It was like a Himalayan mountain range zigzagging across this studio. But I didn't notice it just until the very end of All Along the Watchtower. I was sort of like, I was looking at the microphone thinking, yeah, it's fine. Then All Along the Watchtower sort of came to an end. And I looked at this microphone and realised I had nothing but disgust for the it. Micro- the microphone was fine, and then when Nick said 30 seconds, you yeah. decided to adjust it, and now it's two foot three, and you've got to bend over and talk into it. I like squatting. <laughs> <laughs> I like squatting down here, shutting into my microphone. It's nice. It's, it's all right, because this is how you have to, if you're a tall person like I am, you have to do this a lot. You have to. So you just sort of like crouch over. Loom at them. Is what I suggest. <laughs> Loom at people. Look, bear down on them. It's good. It makes people feel intimidated. Right. Okay. So if you want to talk to me, why don't you then? It's oh five hundred two eight eight two nine one. Give us a bell. We'll put through the next crackpot that was <laughs> that number. And it's. I think it's going to be an unusual show, right? Because we've got some bizarre things happening. We're talking to Rainbow George. Who's trying to? What is he trying to do? Manipulate me, corner me into running for mayor of London? All right, and like on my local paper where I live up in Hampstead, I yeah. think it's on the front page of the local paper. That you're going to be running for mayor? Yeah, I think it says that. And I, I've offered no genuine assurance that I'd run for mayor because I don't want to be. I don't want to run for because it's like let's be honest. I ain't gonna. That one's gonna go. That you know that bloke out of the sun who you see sometimes having it off with a celebrity. Oh yeah. There's that famous mayor. No one's going to have that, are they? They won't know. People that vote don't know about my revolutionary principles, do they? But think about it, you'd be able to fix the parking on your street. Oh, I see. Use mm. it because like, I've had problems with parking. Well, if I were to become a politician, G, it would certainly not be a corrupt one. Now, we've got a, uh, an email here from Noam Chomsky. Where is it? Oh, yeah, there it is. Right, Noam Chomsky is a linguist. Not only is he a linguist, he's sort of a... A revolutionary thinker who believes that all media is designed to keep us spellbound and stupid. He, be- he sort of he mooted some theory called the manufacture of consent, whereby all of us sort of go along with life, going, yeah, all society seems to be all right, isn't it? Consumerism's nice, I've got some new things to distract me. Really, though, apparently, according to Noam Chomsky, we're not that happy. And when Andrea Simmons pipes up with some news, you should just solemnly shake her head, going, <laughs> this stuff probably never even happened. Right. Rugby, South Africa, England. I can't get interested. It's a shame not to be interested in rugby, in it? Because it seems that, you know, um, you know although we're nine free down, they've got nine dickety bows. <laughs> um, we've got a free. Free nincompoops. We've got free nincompoops to the diddly eye shy. Like, I can't get in, I can't be interested in it. You I can't, can't. Rugby's a great game, man. They've got, like, positions like hooker and prop and fly half. Well, I mean, it sounds sexy. And... I, I mean, the hooker and the prop, I could get those guys. And flanker. <laughs> Flankers. 
I just I can't make myself care about it. It seems abstract. It just seems like a like a berserk conglomeration of words and language. But if, West, if West Ham had a rugby team? Well, I don't see how they would be able to run it. They struggle with a football <laughs> team and they've been doing that for 100 years. Right, now, so look, we wrote to Noam Chomsky in the frankly vain and ridiculous hope that he might come on the show because we thought well, it would be good to have Noam Chomsky. He wanted to look him up if you interred him. He one of the leading thinkers of our time, right? And he's uh, the stuff I was on about before about the manufacture of consent. That's why so important, you know. We should care about that. But we don't because we've had our brains all washed up and rinsed, right? So we wrote in this thing, Nick, our insomniac producer, who Noel Fielding found only last week curled up like a little white kitten when he was claiming to be an insomniac, wrote a letter to Professor Chomsky, and here is that email. I produce a weekly comedy show. Right, firstly, this is what I'd like to query straight away. I produce. <laughs> <laughs> What Nick does is slings together a radio show. I produce a weekly comedy show called The Russell Brand Show on Radio 2, the UK's biggest radio network, says Nick. Russell is a stand-up comic whose humour comes from his wonderful comedic imagination, literary references and a flamboyant vocabulary, exclamation mark from Nick there. <laughs> Most of the comedy comes from the semantics of semantics of language and... And then it just says and and it doesn't go anywhere. Did you cross that out? Full stop, but they... Uh... It came through funny on the email. Well, it came through funny on the email. It just says, it says the semantics of language and <laughs> what must Professor Chomsky himself, the foremost linguist of our time, have thought when he saw the word and leading to nothing? <laughs> and it says, on last week's show, your name came up in discussion. Your name came up. Yeah, I remember Chomsky. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that, right, he sent this off. And uh, this is Noam Chomsky's reply. Appreciate the invitation. Frankly... Life is hard and the world does not leave me light-hearted. I can't handle comedy. Noam Chomsky. <laughs> Poor old Noam Chomsky! Caught him on a bad day. Noam Chomsky's downbeat, which leads to my new out item, Cheer Up Chomsky! <laughs> Where we try and cheer up Noam Chomsky. Let's think of ways of cheering up, because if I'm, I'm going to be, like, tricked into running for mayor, Noam Chomsky could be useful in a situation Yeah, definitely like so. That. He could validate your us. cause. He could do. So, all right, admittedly, Rainbow George is a bit of a giddy nitwit saying things like, oh, he's going to replace money with 13 diddly-eyed try whoopsies <laughs> to the pound. But Noam Chomsky's backing could be useful. Later on in the show, as well as Rainbow George, as well as Noel Gallagher, as well as Noam Chomsky, let's stick with it, we're going to be talking to Victoria Wood. Won't that be lovely? I wow. met her the other day, Victoria Wood. Ever so nice she is. Like, she, Victoria Wood's like uh, what you'd imagine it'd be, like, all nice and friendly. Is like, she sort of like, like the, the prime royalty of comedy? She is really, isn't she? Do you actually feel awe when you go near her? I felt respect. I did want to address her as mum, but I had right. to address her as mum because she was playing my mum in an animated <laughs> film that I was providing the voice for. So it was all right. It was, it was a lovely experience. Let's get her on the phone. We'll talk to her a little bit later. As I said, Noel Gallagher's going to turn up. And once and for all, we are going to clear up what the hell China are doing in Tibet because <laughs> you're going to be shocked to learn this. They're still there. They're still in Tibet. I've just had a look at Tibet on Google Maps. No, I saw there. <laughs> Chinese people! All over it, they was. Occupying it, left, right and centre. We might try and ring Noel Fielding. God knows where he is. He could be anywhere. And we're going to be listening to some new music from what I can only describe as my mate's band, The Purpose. <laughs> They're good, though. They're good. We're going to be listening to them in a little bit. Why don't we listen to Bowie? Oh, hold on. First of all, you might want to hear this news story. 
Right about last week, it was really funny, last week, right, there's this bit where I, I goes, right, it's coming up now at the news, and I touched some paper at that time, and Noel Fielding, who was a guest here last week, goes, do you read the news? <laughs> that I was going to be trusted with... Re- OK, right, here's the news again. Gordon Brown has made a terrible blunder in not calling an election. They won't trust me with that. That would be a manufacturer of consent. OK, so listen to this. A young lady called Joanna has sent me some important information. Hello, Russ and everyone else, says Joanna. I've been doing some research about chimpanzees for a college course. One can only imagine what kind of college course would it require. I suppose zoology, it's obvious. And I've come, acro- I've come across some evidence that suggests female chimpanzees are selling sex to the males that gather the most fruit. Chimpanzee whores. Selling this- sex for fruit. Sex for fruit. What the- is there anything less- At least a crack addict prostitute can just claim... Well, I need it on account of the crack get addiction. Hit, yeah. I need the hit. But if you're doing it for a fistful of gooseberries, they're hookers, <laughs> they're flankers, they're scrum halves. It's terrible. They're worse than the, the, all of those people. Oranges, pineapples, and maize are among the most sought-after crops, with bananas proving far less popular. The scientists also discovered that the chimp that gathered the most fruit for, in the food for sex trade received more grooming from females than the group's alpha male. How's he going to feel? How is that alpha male going to hold his head up high, (laughs) knowing that he's bitch whore slut chimp females (laughs) are out there grooming folk for oranges and maize? Maize! That's what you make... I think what's-its are made out of maize. What's-its? Made out of maize? They are, aren't they? They're not potatoes. Are they a what's-it? Think of a what's-it. I thought they were just made made of what? Well, this, you know, I mean, it's the name indicates that it's from origins that are somewhat baffling, but I'm pretty sure that what's-its are made of maize. And I once had a friend, Harmonica Matt, who I miss on a daily basis, who used to play at the harmonica, who I dearly loved, because I thought that he, mostly because I thought he smelled of what's-its. Yeah. And Matt Morgan would regularly point out, that isn't what's-its, Russell, that's his own sick. <laughs> Matt Morgan will be back here <laughs> next week, of course, he's still holidaying his life away. He likes aristocracy, isn't he, Matt? I've never known anyone. Ever. Who has holidays like this? Wogan. Wogan. Does Wogan have these kind of holidays? <laughs> is Wogan know. on holiday now? No, he's back now. Thank God, we should call that Mark I found, You know, I found some snuff in this office. You found yeah, snuff? Like, just, just like... You found snuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, Mr some, G some, has just announced he has found snuff. Some snuff. I don't know, like... Is it snuff? How Wogan? do you know what snuff yeah. is, anyway? I know, it's got snuff written on the package. You don't know snuff. <laughs> you want no snuff. It, it says snuff. <laughs> Ingredients, maize. <laughs> snuff? Really, did you find snuff, G? It's just there. Get Nick, it. Nick, get it, get it. Let's have some snuff. It's not a drug, is it? Because I'm in recovery. Why oh, is that's... it that any time we find anything, you just want to take it? Don't take snuff. John Rogers, leader of the revolution, is saying don't take snuff. That's actual snuff. Bang it over. Is that real snuff? Look at that. I've never even <laughs> seen <laughs> snuff. <laughs> this is yeah. your health. And is addictive. You want it, don't you? I do now. Yeah. It sounds delightful. And it's Here got, we go. It's got like a little dispenser. Bre- and the show is going so well. Snuff. Right, listen, why don't we listen to Moon Age Daydream by Bowie? Then I'm going to snuff myself, <laughs> stupid. Then we'll talk to Victoria Wood with all sorts of people. We've got a dream interpreter coming in here to challenge some of Noel Fielding's balmy interpretations of dreams. We're going to learn about Tibet. We're talking to the editor of the bingo. Not the bingo. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the bino, but I don't know. If someone invents the bingo, we'll do that as well. This snuff, that... No, I can't imagine that's nice it's to not, take yeah. snuff. I'd like someone to take snuff. I think Mr Nibs might be here, who is yeah. the show's servant. We'll snuff that yeah. little... We'll snuff him up. All right, it's Bowie. Moon Age Daydream, Bowie, that was. 
Uh, you're listening to Russell Brand on BBC Radio 2. I'm here with Mr G. I've got Mr Nibs here. I just discovered some snuff just a moment ago. And uh, I'm curious about snuff and its qualities. It's like well, doesn't, isn't clear it? warning about it. So, but like, you know, we, we mankind did snuff, not endeavour to snuff, get out of the caves snuff, by not snuff. taking snuff. But Victoria Wood is also on the telephone line, I believe. Victoria, are you there, dear? I am. Hi. Hello, Victoria. Have you been listening to the show this evening? No, I was watching Extreme Celebrity Yo-Yo Dieting on the television. What? I mean, there's so many adjectives involved in that TV programme. I don't know if anyone knows what's going on. <laughs> Extreme Celebrity Yo-Yo Dieting. What, what yeah. happens? It's full of people you've never heard of pontificating about people being too thin or too fat. Why are you watching it? Well, because I didn't want to watch the rugby. Yeah, no, but I mean, the, you know, it, life can't ever, Victoria, can it be boiled down to rugby <laughs> or extreme <laughs> celebrity yo-yo dieting? This no, is These are not the options not. we're presented with. <laughs> well, because, like, the, the bit that is ex extreme, right, I think, yeah. okay, already that's dangerous. Yo-yo? Why are they yeah. doing that? Well, I can't answer that question, really. No, I suppose you're not qualified to, but, like, i tell you what you are qualified to help with, Victoria. We've got a young lad here, yeah. barely 19. How old are you, Mr Nibs? 19. Oh, he's not got cancer, we can't hear Victoria. Um, like, so, uh, what, what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to make this... You know, have you ever taken snuff, Victoria? No, it looks disgusting. It does look disgusting. I've just looked at it. It looks like filthy, ground-up, disgusting coffee. It looks like what you get when you take your carpet up. Yes, it, that, yes. What's underneath? It looks like decaying underlay. Decaying... Or underpants, even. Decaying underpants, decaying underlay. Well, nonetheless, <laughs> that I'm going to give some to this young lad here yeah. because I'm curious about snuff. It um, makes you sneeze, doesn't it? Well, I don't know because I've only ever seen it on <laughs> television. Like, people in Blackadder maybe will have some yeah. or, like, maybe the major out of 40 Towers. It's people in sitcoms. Yeah. So that's my only reference. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sitcom. Items. <laughs> Snuff is a sick. Have anyone in any of your sitcoms? Like, no, allowed. Dinner ladies. Yeah, I need you... to write one that I can put it in. It seems to me one of the limitations of your sitcoms that there aren't enough. It's snuff free. Well, yeah. What's going on? I mean, I've, I've heard of snuff movies. I haven't heard of a snuff sitcom. It's high time a snuff sitcom was made. <laughs> It'd be more representative of the modern world. Now, Mr. S Mr. Nibs, say politely say hello to Victoria Wood with all the respect you can muster. Hello, Victoria Wood. You're right. Hello. That wasn't very respectful. That's Victoria Wood. You shouldn't even be allowed to talk to me, let alone Victoria Wood. <laughs> now, take your... Like, he's got a, a palm full of snuff now. And, is it any special flavour? Uh, hold on a minute. Menthol, I've, isn't it? I've got the, the... Yes, it says menthol mit Columbia, which... And Columbia was something that you take nasally. Or they, those two things oughtn't occur in the same <laughs> sentence, really. And then it's got anyway, pictures men of... Menthol makes you think of toothpaste. Menthol makes me think of toothpaste. Columbia makes me think of cocaine. Heroin and things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at you casually saying heroin <laughs> no. and that. Five minutes ago, you were watching celebrity yo-yo dieting. I'm down with all the drug jive talk. <laughs> all this drug jive talk, second nature to you. It is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Dibbs is going to take some of this yeah. uh, this thing. Go on then. You, to lose, you pinch it. it with yeah. your other. Well, you pinch it with one hand, and then you sort of put your your two pinched fingers into your nasal cavity, and then you inhale deeply. And this is legal, what he's doing oh, here, yeah. so don't make me out to be irresponsible if you're listening to this thinking, oh, don't make that young man. Please, do it. Yeah, go on, a big lot of it. Right. What's it's it not, feel like? It's not like bad, actually. Yeah. Take some more. <laughs> Keep doing it. 
Keep doing it until you change. It's like that Vic Vic stuff, that Vic Vapor Rub. It's like Vic Vapor Rub. Yeah. Don't advertise Vic Vapor Rub. Other Vapor Rubs are available. I'm sure it's good for a cold. You think it's good for a cold? Yeah. Your eyes have become all bleary. You're like a young Scarface. You've become unbearable. Look at him, all <laughs> bloated he is now, Victoria. I've never seen anything he, quite like is it. Is he wasted? He's completely wasted. I imagine we'll find him slumped dead over the lavatory within the hour. <laughs> Poor soul that he is. Um, Victoria, it was nice mm. to meet you the other day while we were doing that student film. Yeah. I enjoyed it. You were playing my mum in it. I was. It was good, wasn't it? It's was good fun. Did you think that I'd done some good acting? I thought you did some excellent acting, considering you only had about three words to say, but you had to say them over and over and over again. I know, because we had to say, like, it was a, the story, briefly, was that uh, Victoria was my overbearing mother, who, uh, and the main character, let's be fair, of this yeah. short film, yeah. uh, where I'd been trapped, where she didn't want her son to leave home, and so she'd built a fancy kingdom around her own house. In so he thought, he thought he'd left home, but actually it was all plywood. It was all plywood, and then it was like uh, all the characters that he met in this citadel that surround his home were, in fact... His mum. His mum, with a variety of, may I say, excellent <laughs> voices. Transylvanian was in there, French, yeah. Scottish. Yorkshire, was all the whole panoply. It was a, quite a panoply that you laid on there, <laughs> Victoria. Whereas and you had a, a wide variety of uh, character traits, voices, where mostly, like, yeah. my acting consisted of things like, right, make a noise that you would make when running into a wall. Well, I thought, for some, you know, for somebody who wasn't actually running into a wall, I thought you did a brilliant noise for that. I was very impressed with that. Well, do you know what? I can do it again now, if you like. Go yeah. on, then do it. You're running and running, running. Running, running, running. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> into a wall. Do you see? Yeah. That's yeah. what you would do, isn't it? I mean, who, yeah. who could dispute that that is the noise that one no. would make when running into a wall? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And also, what else did I have to do? Was we've got a rattling. The, I thought that the director, seeing how he was a bloody student at the National Film School, should be damn he grateful. Was he, he was, was picky. picky, critical. Yeah, egomaniac. Sort of yeah. Like, it was like something from the the book Raging Bulls. That sort of like some sort of seventies, like working with uh, Vedekind or what was his name? Not Vedekind, uh, Billy Friedkin, the guy who directed Exorcist. He was really demanding and so. Sort of, <laughs> <laughs> like when he was making me, there was a bit where I had to rattle a door handle, like and just yeah, go. Yeah, oh. that was hard. That yeah. was hard because it was more than one door handle, and you had to do it without swearing, which I think most people would, be, would struggle to do. Right, swearing seems very natural. If you're rattling a series of door handles, you can't open any of these doors, swearing yeah. seems yeah. almost, it, it seems like an instinctive thing to do. That director yeah. made me do about 25 versions of it. He was never yeah. satisfied. No, he wasn't. He was sobbing by the end, wasn't he? Yeah. Disappointed, disillusioned. Really, I think we've destroyed any chances of a career in show business for that young man. I know he was on the phone to Pauline Quirk and Noel from the Mighty Boosh as we were leaving. So <laughs> it'll be redone. I imagine so. Yeah, he'll destroy the tapes of, of our endeavours, I would imagine. Now, Victoria, should we, we tell people what happened when you tried to buy me a cup of tea? Oh, go on, you tell that people. You weren't able to purchase it. Yeah, because <laughs> don't... you, don't, you don't carry cash. I know that's become quite embarrassing. That I've stopped doing that. I've become a bit cosseted, having been famous for about two weeks. Yeah. I've completely become distanced from reality. I never have any money. 
I expect everything to be taken care of. What did you? Yeah, it was in this case because I bought I bought your cappuccino or whatever it was. It was an espresso, and I thank you enormously for purchasing it and taking care of what could have otherwise been an embarrassing situation. As I <laughs> brandish my Coop's black card <laughs> impotently not, at the hapless. <laughs> yeah, it was ignored. It meant nothing to that young man. Um, Victoria, Mr. Nibs, uh, as tragically, has got a terrible nosebleed now. Oh <laughs> he, dear. Yeah, he looks he looks terrible. I, I think it's the, the the last we'll see of him. Um, may I just sort of say, uh, if you weren't listening to the beginning of the show, Victoria, you'll have missed. Uh, uh, well, no, I know you were listening to extreme celebrity yeah. yo-yo, bizarre Dieting. fantasy shows. Um, well, no, we had an email from Noam Chomsky, the linguist and great political thinker, in, yeah. wh in which he expressed that it seems like he's disillusioned with the world. And um, yeah. we, I'm trying to, I want to cheer Noam Chomsky up in an item called Cheer Up Chomsky, yeah. where um, I get Noam Chomsky to feel much better about life and perhaps um, back what can only be described as a half-witted scheme to make me Mayor of London. <laughs> So right. uh, I wonder if you've got any cheering thoughts for Professor Chomsky. Um, well, I just—you could tell him that I just took a ladybird off hmm. my cooker, yeah, and put it on a post-it note and and put it outside. Right, okay. Hopefully, it will have a happy and fulfilled life now and not would. be burnt to death. That's fantastic. Particularly bearing in mind the uh, the, the well-known ladybird poem: "Fly away, ladybird! Your yeah. house is on fire. Your children You're are gone." Fire. Yeah. So you've saved a ladybird. I Vic have, and I think that should cheer him up a little bit. Right, that'll go in. We're putting that in. Victoria Wood has saved the ladybird from... So there's some sort of uh, ladybird epidemic going on. There's a plague, yeah. There's a plague? Most of, them, most of them are on my cooker. If you're going to have a biblical plague, ladybird's quite a nice thing to have them of, isn't it? It's like... Cause it's like, more cheery than locusts, a nicer colour. Absolutely. If in the Old Testament it had been a plague of ladybirds, perhaps, you know, conventional judo-christianity wouldn't have caught on because you think, oh, these plagues are all right. Before you go, I mean, assuming that you do want to at some point carry on with your your life. I mean, I'd happily keep you ensnared and embroiled in mine, forever <laughs> buying me tea and witnessing me <laughs> running into walls in a variety of ways. Uh, we have an item on this show called Gay, where uh, I help people with issues to do with homosexuality. Yeah. Uh, here is one such issue. Yeah. I'd like your advice on it. You've proven yourself to be capable of uh, cheering up the world's foremost linguist and political thinker, Noam Chomsky, with yeah. a cheery anecdote about saving the life of a ladybird. So yeah. perhaps you'll be able to help uh, young homosexuals also. Two, yeah. this, is, uh, this is from Will. He claims to be from South Wales, although I've got no evidence that he is from there. Two, Russell. This problem is the reverse of one that you've previously attempted to solve on your new item. Gay! I'm gay and my best friend is straight, and I think that everyone now thinks he's gay and that's why he's not getting much female attention. I think some of them think he's gay just because I am. He's good-looking, but I'm not, I'm not attracted to him, even though I am gay. I need straight male friends because women slightly bug me. Oh, he sounds like a misogynistic young man. I don't know if we should he be helping Will. In the backside. Doesn't anyway, he? Yes, what's the problem? Well, the problem seems to be I was wondering what you, heterosexual, metrosexual, male type fellow, could tell me what to do in order to make him look good in front of women folk. Thanks, Will. That's his problem, Victoria. Is there anything you, he, he wants well, to make? It's not A, it's not his problem, it's his friend's problem. Mm, mm, yeah. And if Will thinks it's his problem, then Will has a problem with his own identity. And it seems to me that Will secretly would like to be straight and possibly isn't even gay at all. Will, you are not even gay. Why are you <laughs> writing in to this item that is very clearly called gay and you, Victoria Woods has exposed you for the heterosexual you are, <laughs> posing, posing yeah. as a homosexual. I've inned him as opposed to outed him. Get 
in. <laughs> You've inned him. Well done. Yeah. He's been quite rightly inned. Let's yeah. get Peter Tatchell involved in this and in him <laughs> in as militant a fashion as is possible. Victoria, thank you for inning <laughs> that little heterosexual. Get back yeah. in, out here. Him. Yeah, thank you very much. I you appreciate could say that. His real problem is that he's from South Wales, but that might be a bit too controversial. So it would be for you, too. beloved Victoria Wood, to, to start attacking the people of Wales. I don't do things like this, and I'm, I'm controversial. I know, I thought I'd do it to save you the trouble. Yeah, thank you very much. Right. That, that means the rest of the show I can pretty much cruise, knowing that we yeah. have at least offended yeah. one crucial demographic at this time of crisis for the BBC. I plan to, uh, ensnare, uh, to ensnare you in my life and trouble you for stuff. Is that all right? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. This radio show really is just a way I can't express myself normally and socially. It's so a way I, of meeting people, It's just I know. a way of meeting people. It's just from, it's speed dating. It's what I use <laughs> instead of that. It's how I socialise and meet people. <laughs> what was that? Was that the sound of you? you? I'm going to go and watch television now, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, it is all right, Victoria, but try not to watch something with so many adjectives at the beginning of it. Just watch something. Oh, right. OK. The news, not the whoopsie-daisy, there goes the celebrity <laughs> yo-yo elter-skelter <laughs> news event. So watch something more straightforward. I will. I'm going to watch Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, that's fine. That's no trouble. We've, that's OK. Yeah. Not, I'm gonna... not many adjectives there. No. <laughs> get bounty. Oh, no, I don't know. There's none. There's no... Is there? I mean, I don't know enough about language. If only Noam Chomsky works... So. Bounty's not an adjective. It's a, code, it's a conjunctive, right? So, 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 okay, so, yeah, it's part of... It's a compounded noun. Well, yeah, what can we do? We'll get Chomsky on the line. If, once we've cheered him up with your ladybird anecdote, I'm sure yeah. he'll be prepared to tell us anything. Thank you, Victoria. Right then. Bye. Bye, love. Bye-bye. Take care. Mr Nibs, the way you behaved in front of Victoria Wood there, <laughs> taking snuff like Tony Montana, was sickening. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Sorry. Do you, how do you feel on the snuff? No, um, it's, I don't know, it's clear my airwaves. It's, you cleared your airwaves? Yeah. What yeah. are you? Are you a functioning airport facility? <laughs> you haven't got airwaves. You've got, that's can't, your nose. Can I have another, um... Pinch Ooh. of snuff. Oh, 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 the other nostril. This is how it starts. Oh, the other nostril. You'll be cooking it up next. Drugs are bad. So, okay, right, now listen. This is, we're going to listen to my mates now. They are called The Purpose. Now, I've listened to this record earlier. It is very good. These lads, they've got a bright future. A very bright, and may I say, sexually volatile future. Listen very carefully to them. Take on board their message. Then, if you want to know more about them, I think you can look at them on MySpace or something. That's what you do with the young people. Is it Facebook now? I don't know. As long as you're not looking at pornography, I'm happy. Stay off the snuff. Listen to The Purpose. What's the name of this track, Nick, our producer? The Morning Sun. The Morning Sun. What could be a more joyous thing to listen to than the purpose the morning sun that was i played that by mistake it was meant to be this one right it's actually called this one is called same again we press the, because the words first and the words third the words first and third sound similar so we played the wrong track this is what's it, the, the right same again the purpose this is the one that i meant to play listen to this that's good you're listening to Russell Brand on BBC Radio 2. That was the purpose. Same again. I like it. I think they're very good, them boys. Give them some support. I think you can check them out on MySpace or I don't know where else you could. Like, I don't know. Why, why don't you rally the government to release their record? Give them some support. Now, I have been invited to stand for Mayor of London by a gentleman called Rainbow George. Rainbow George is what can only be described as an eccentric. We've got him in here to justify himself. Hello, George. 
Hello, Russell. Why can I only be described as an eccentric, do you think? Because, well, I mean, I suppose you could be described as a, a butterfly if you want us to describe you as that, but it's just less accurate, George. Speak into that microphone, you'll spend your whole life troubling people on the radio, then confronted with a microphone, you mutter into a, a bottle of Evian. Other bottles of water are available. I haven't muttered into a <laughs> bottle of Evian. And uh, visionary theologian. Visionary theologian. Apprentice prophet. I like it. Now, look, in uh, the local paper, George, like, on accounts of this uh, mayoral business, look at this. Look at this headline. Is Brand's mayor campaign more than just a good joke? Comedian says he'll stand if he gets enough support. We asked his Hampstead neighbours if they'd ever vote for Russell. Shock-haired comedian Russell Brand is throwing his hat into the ring for the London mayoral elections if a million people ask him to. The prankster and Lothario has promised to run for the brand-spanking new London party, BSNLP, which does sound a bit like a racist party, may I say, <laughs> but it sounds a bit like BNP. A little bit. Only a little bit. It does. It sounds a bit like BMP, and I've spent, like, as a younger man, I once had a brush with Mark Collette, a member of that, let's, you know, let's not shy away from the word, racist party, <laughs> and uh, it was it was a difficult, a difficult encounter, a difficult time in well, my life. George. Well, maybe we should forget the initials and just go with the brand spanking New London Party. I mean... Uh, I think that's one of the problems with our campaign, George. Is the initials. The initials, the initials, the, the, you know, it's called Venture of Hampstead Eccentric Rainbow George Vice. It doesn't say Hampstead Butterfly Rainbow George Vice, does it? Uh, Hampstead uh, Eccentric is described here. George uh, Give Weiss a chance is one of my, it's a nice my slogan. slogans. On his BBC Radio 2 show last Saturday, the reformed drug addicts, they never drop, like, let an opportunity to bang on about that go by past. Neither do I, though, so there it is. <laughs> the reformed drug addict who recently moved into Hampstead told the delighted his delighted guest, Mr Weiss, I'm standing as your puppet. Well, not puppet, more a marionette. A faceless, limbless Italian puppet, all old, with its strings tangled up and paint peeling off its face. Which was a, a nice uh, analogy, I thought, to describe this situation. Now, George... I'm a bit worried about standing for mayor for a, a good many reasons. The main one being, uh, I'm an anarchist and I'm against democracy. I don't think it works. I think we need a complete revolution and need to dismantle this machinery of, of conventional democracy altogether. So by standing for mayor, it's kind of an endorsement of those ideas. Well, no. I mean, our, our platform is to make politicians history and bring the party political system to an end and have direct democracy where... Direct democracy? Yeah. What will that be? Well, everyone representing themselves, everyone Ooh. using the technology of their opinion on any given issue at any given time and transforming London into a model... 21st century city, a party city. A party city? What, yeah. like it's a, like a loco, bonkers, crazy place for us all to a hang out? A place for the, the world to come and visit and chill out and enjoy what we were doing here. OK, sounds quite nice so far. Now, I've got here John Rogers, who is very much the leader of the revolution. He's a, a brilliant man with quite a fantastic mind. Now, I've brought him along here quite deliberately to see if, if there's any genuine chance of this fiasco that you're calling a mayoral campaign 
bringing about a genuine revolution. Also, we're going to be talking to some fella from The Telegraph, who I believe is called Andrew Pierce. Now, he's a proper qualified journalist and a grown-up man. Have you heard of him, George? We have spoken. You've spoken? Uh, on, on occasion, yes. On occasion. <laughs> you, you blushed a little bit I have bit been then. around for 23 years, Russell. I, what this has you been, been a very doing? long campaign, which I'm looking to hand over to you here this evening, because I feel like I'm in the dragon's den in reverse. I, I'm not coming to ask, I want to offer, so I wish you to take on the brand spanking new London party. Thank and you, and it's a political party, but it might be a burden to me, because remember, I've got, I've been, just got another few parts in films and stuff. I've got to go to Hollywood. Yeah, I've got this to is for, for, you, for you, this is easy. <laughs> and mayors, mayors have to go to a lot of meetings up in that egg lamp thing on the Thames, that big sort of office, what's made out of glass, that looks like, what, what do, Mr G described it as a, a glass testicle earlier. We'll turn it into evening. something else anyway. I mean, you don't need that whole assent. Why do you even want me to be mayor? Well, I mean, no, no, there's no one asking this question. You turn up here trying to make me be mayor. Um... Where do you get off? We talked about the rainbow connection and a mm. cosmic link, and uh, I claim direction from that cosmic link, and that cosmic link has directed me to be here speaking to you. The cosmos. So this is a, you're a, in a way a mystic. This is a, a mystical political endeavour that you're embarking upon. Absolutely. Right now, John Rogers over there is a fine political thinker. I've seen him written down some notes. <laughs> what John Rogers allow what, now question Rainbow George about what he's doing to my career. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, George. Uh, Hello. Uh, uh, you're a very nice guy, George. I think you're lovely, but... Uh... John, you're being too sensitive towards him. <laughs> Attack him like Pat. He got a free house by squatting, didn't exactly. you, Rainbow George? Yeah, George, that's what I wasn't was... actually squatting. How did you get a free house but George, living there is... rent-free, you saucy devil? You, you've come out with a lot of bonkers stuff, George, about about uh, gasps and wonders, and yet you've actually done something very Gasps practical. and wonders, may we... Let's remind people that weren't listening to the show last week, is your new currency. You're going to abolish... All, if we... No, it'd be your currency. My so currency. You, you, you will be the president of the... You're back. using my ego to manipulate me. Mm. People I'm not do trying that to manipulate. The, the, That's what they did the, to Hitler, wasn't the it? Bank of Azillian... oh, that guy. The... How did that all end again? <laughs> the Bank of Azillian Wonders. Yeah. So yeah. you would be president. But what is that, George? It doesn't mean anything. How do you mean it doesn't mean well, anything? What does that mean, in practical terms? I mean, I live in London, and I don't live in Hampstead. I, I live in East London, where real things happen. And what does that mean? How's that going to fund my kid's school? How's, How's fund... his kid's school going to be yeah, funded I mean, by the Bank of Azillian Wonders? Fund things bank like of Azillian Wonders is going to look after everybody. This is called wealth creation, and Russell will demonstrate that everyone in London could effectively be a millionaire. Right, I like but it. I'll be mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Next up! <laughs> no, go, OK, OK, but go on, go on John, just say something clever. <laughs> oh, God, the pressure. Um, oh, but George, you, you, you've done something we'd all like to do in, in kind of reclaiming property, private property, and turning it into a, a collective asset. Now, that's, that is something that's oh, out gasps and wonders, when actually you should be talking about squatting and collectivising assets. I wasn't a squatter. My landlord disappeared and the law is... Oh, that's convenient, George, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? The landlord disappeared, did he? <laughs> and you end up with a free mansion, which I, slippery eel. Which I sold for just £710,000 three years ago. That's all right, though, for and nothing. And I've now spent all the money. What did and, you spend and, it on? Uh, politics and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and music and... and uh, 
campaigns in in Northern Ireland in Belfast. What for? What were they? What were you up to in Northern Ireland? If I, I find out you're behind them troubles, George, <laughs> I'm going to be furious. Well, I started off with a party called the Vote for Yourself Party, and that evolved into the Rainbow Dream Ticket Party and the Rainbow Dream Ticket Party. You're a peaceful man. Yeah, is this I what am, it yes. is? You're peaceful against... revolution is what we're talking about. You want about. a peaceful revolution? I mean, we're all on this show, all of us want a nice peaceful revolution. Mm. But I've come to realise that people won't believe in our revolution if I keep being quite so silly. Now, this Bank of Brazilian <laughs> Wonders cannot be replaced the World Bank and the IMF. Yes, it can. Because they've got it, good it, infrastructure, George. We've got how? no infrastructure. <laughs> we're going to... I talked to you about getting hold of £30,000. Yeah, you said we were going to just wave a wand over 30,000 no, pennies and say they were you, pounds now. You were going to wave the wand. And, 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 and so we, we get this £30,000, we turn it into pennies, three million pennies, and three million pennies have to drop. If Noam Chomsky, look, we've upset Noam Chomsky. <laughs> we're going to cheer him up. If he's listening to this, he'll be furious. <laughs> no, he'll be cheered up. I do you think, though, George, if, if, might if, be talking about the practice. I mean, I think we can translate it into something like Hugo Chavez has done in Venezuela. We've, we're setting up community supermarkets for cost price goods. I think that's what it means by zillion wonders and all that business. Okay, well, no. Chavez's actual revolution in Venezuela, real... where he set up community supermarkets so people could afford products. Yeah, poor areas of. Sensible thing. Yeah, you go, didn't start kicking around in the Houses of Parliament in Venezuela saying, here, we're going to sell you Domestos at 50 giggle sticks per pound. It wouldn't work. No, no. Um, what do you think of that, George? We need to share a, a vision of how London could be in, yes. in the year 2020, so yes. tw 2020 vision. No. OK. The, uh, don't make all your policies be based lines, on puns, They're just George. puns and punchlines, They're not based lines, on puns. Sorry? They are just sound like puns and punchlines. What does that mean? What does what mean? That 2020 vision thing. That, what does it uh, mean? Do you know what? No, no, no. I saw an optician recently, and she admitted to me that it don't even mean anything to the opticians. No. I goes, what does 2020 vision mean? She goes, we don't even know anymore. I think as well, and he's using it once removed. He's not even a qualified optician. George, I've got you here in good faith to make me mayor, and it turns out you're using slogans that even an optician would discard. <laughs> now, come on. We're going to have to have a little bit of news in a minute. We're going to talk to some people that listen to our show about this mayoral campaign. We're going to talk to a grown-up journalist as well. And if it turns out, that, <laughs> that we could cope with the colossal administrative burden of running one of the world's largest cities. No, then we'll, we'll no, have no, a... no burden. You, you're quite capable of delegating. You... I am capable of delegating, yes. For example, Nick the Insomniac's in charge of the switches while Matt Morgan's on holiday. But that doesn't mean we can run... Bloody great big things like London. <laughs> the Metropolitan Police, George. R London is going to become a wonder city. And you're I gonna... would like a wonder city. And, and, I want uh, a wonder city. And you're going to lead the way to a world of wonders. Yes, we will have a world of wonders. There will be a revolution. But first of all, we've got to cheer up Chomsky. We've got to get the Chinese right out of Tibet. Not a little bit out of it. Not meandering around the boundary of it going, oh, we'll leave later. Get right out of Tibet and let people do some Falun Gong. All they want to do is a bit of Falun Gong. Them Falun Gong protesters, they've been outside the Chinese embassy for as long as I can remember, which is 17 minutes. 17 or maybe even 18 minutes of demanding to be out of practice Falun Gong. I don't even know what it is, except it looks like sitting still. Now, if people aren't allowed to sit still in China without being oppressed, what kind of society are we living in? I don't know. Maybe Noel Gallagher knows. He's on the show a little bit later. Also, we're going to be talking to a dream interpreter. I might try and ring Noel Fielden a little bit later but by 
God, one way or another, we are going to build a utopia. But Rainbow George, you're going to have to buck your ideas up a little bit if we're going to overthrow the government, aren't you? I want people to have Boris Johnson being mayor. He's got a lovely mop of blonde hair. He rides a bike. People like that. And he's not the least it's bit racist, is he, Boris? If you say that. yes, Russell, you will win. The election. You said no. similar things to all these other people that you've put up to be mayor, namely Peter Cook and Ian Jury, both of whom are now dead, <laughs> and I put it to you that you killed them well, by that... raising their hopes. No, they ne they never got involved. They never they never stood for mayor. This, this, Peter this, Cook this... and Ian Jury wouldn't stand for mayor. No, but Peter had the, his own party called the Watt Party, and and the Watt ethos of the Watt Party was to give everybody what they wanted within reason. Within reason. And Peter, Peter, Peter knew that I was uh, thinking of getting involved in politics, so he offered me the post of Minister for Confusion in the Watt Party. And I accepted Rain it with City. some alacrity, and he told me to... John Rogers, stop attacking <laughs> Rainbow George now. I'm heckling him. Look, you two, behave yourselves. Like, it's good that we're having a show that's a bit more political than usual, and that we're all out of our depth. But what we're going to do now is listen to a little bit of a record. What are we going to listen to. Oh, we've got a minute to the news. Oh, fair enough. Now, let's not put a record on. Let's right now. What's going on now? After this, the news is going to come on. This is the actual world <laughs> with actual things <laughs> that may or may not have happened. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to this, George, and see how your policies would affect stuff like this. Now, admittedly, rugby, that's an arbitrary idea, as an odd system of signs and what rules. Who, who we don't know, George, <laughs> because we don't care, because we're here talking about you and 20 gazumps to the mookie. So that's we're not able to focus on things like the rugby and what the hell's going on in various political matters that are genuine. Hundred gasps to the wonder. So I do apologise <laughs> for not using the correct nomenclature for your bonkers made-up money box. It's not bonkers. No, I know, it? darling. Look, I respect you as much as the next man. Unfortunately, the next man is John Rogers, who sat there eyeing you like a fox looking at a bin bag, knowing I'm going in that bin bag in a minute. I don't care if they're nappies. Daddy wants a new waistcoat. Right, OK, there's some news coming up in a moment. After the news, we're talking to Noel Gallagher, the country's foremost musician and thinker. I wonder where he's going to make of this moral campaign. We should try to ring Matt Morgan up on his holiday. He to, I don't think he'll answer his phone. Mr G will be doing a poem a little bit later. Someone's going to be talking to us about gay animals. That's right, animals have gone gay. Mr Nibs has unfortunately overdosed and is now stone dead. Let that be a lesson to all of you, don't do drugs. This is BBC Radio 2 online on digital and on 88 to 91 FM. This is some news! It's too late. That was the New York Dolls. You listen to Russell Brand on Radio 2. Before that, them things that that lady was saying, that was news. All them things have been happening. Who have we got on the line? Why, it's Noel Gallagher, of course. Hello, Noel. Hello, Ross. You all right, mate? Not too bad. You in the countryside? I am. How's your son? He's brilliant tonight. Is he? What's he up to? Is he doing anything yet? Sleeping. He... He's sleeping is what he should be doing. Just sleeping. He's slowly wrestled control from me of the household from this week. We're going to get it back next week. He's become the alpha male in the Gallagher household. Unfortunately, he has, yeah. How have you been so easily usurped by a person that can only really be sick as a job? <laughs> because I'm not allowed to arm wrestle him yet, legally. Right. Change under Rainbow George's brand spanking new party in which I'd be the mayor of London. Have you heard about this, Noel? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I heard you rabbiting on about it last week with that other Noel. <laughs> with Noel Fielding, yes. The second Noel. Yes, very well. I mean, you know, as long as we've got you in our lives. We didn't eat well. 
What, That's what happened last week, then, eh? Well, why didn't we call you up? Yeah. Because I was, like, I was concentrating on what Noel Fielding was saying, a lot of which, in retrospect, was be two the best surrealist. Two Noels in the same show. Couldn't have it. Particularly as you, the ultra-realist Noel Gallagher, versus him, a, a, frankly, a surrealist, abstract young man. <laughs> I just I think it would put me in a difficult position. You know, but, it's like, don't you sort of have, like, different groups of friends that you sort of think, oh, if them two meet? Like, for me, it was sort of that like, early life was like that, because my mum was very much one way, my dad was another way. I thought, oh no, if them two ever meet each mean? other, it's going to be moider. Well, it's just like my mum and dad, they would, they, like my mum... <laughs> what does what's that mean? My mum was one way, my dad was another. Well, with my mum, I had to be very sort of a little sensitive mummy's boy. Hello, mummy! Can I still be breastfed? And with my dad, I had to pretend that I was Ray Winston. Otherwise, I can be accepted. All right, dad, how's you going, mate? Well, how, is it, how is it these days, then? Mm. Well, these days, well, I just try not to see either of them. <laughs> no, 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 I was, no, I was uh, like, you know, no, I, you know, it's pretty much the same, really. <laughs> to tell you the truth, my mum, you know, my, no, my mum now is like a doting, adoring sort of mother. And with my dad, you know, I can, now my dad, like, he thinks I've done ever so well, so it's, like, a bit easier, you know, to tell you the truth. You must have some awareness of it. I mean, like, think of it how you are with, say, your brother, uh, Liam, or, like, you know, you can't be the same as with him as you are with Walliams. Walliams can be, oh, hello, you can't, if no, you... No, but I know, but I've actually, I've had, I've had Walliams in our, in our dressing room, you know, well, you know, while Liam's been there, and it's been quite, it's been quite amusing to watch it all unfold, you see. Yeah, because they're from a different world, aren't well, they? Well, because Liam likes to intimidate people, right? Mm. But it's like, you can't, in, you can't intimidate David. Right, really? No, he's very, he's very stony-faced, and he's, well, he's tall, and he's big, and he's kind of like, you know... He's a lovely, great, big, gay cupboard of a man, isn't he? And I imagine he can't be intimidated no, by Liam. No, particularly by Liam. Yeah, because he can be intimidating your brother once he fixes you in his well, steely glare. Once he's, had, once he's had a lager or two. Yeah. Know. Like, when he gets in that mood... Because you told me that he threw his phone in the river recently because it kept ringing too much, and I can't imagine what he would expect from a telephone, <laughs> really. No, that was a joke, Russell. Oh, really? God, really? That was just a joke? I was, I'm sorry, I, I took that seriously. Is there anything else? Did you really call your son Donovan? <laughs> come on, no, come on, you sent one of mine to the hospital. One of yours is going to the morgue, you know the rules, no. Yeah, come well, on. No, 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 I mean, it was, I mean, he slung his phone because it does ring a lot. Yeah. But, you know, he didn't drop kick it in the Thames. No, it's going well, good. No. Anyway, back to this evening, Mayor London, I did, I did, I did listen to that. Well done for getting back to the main storyline. Yeah, because it was becoming pretty boring, though. It's just well done, it's very... You know, <laughs> machine gun, you know, firing rabbit and nonsense. Yeah, yeah, and the next thing is, right, there he was, right. <laughs> How's Matt? Is Matt there? Matt's on, on, on what is a seemingly endless tour of a tiny, tiny that, island. Like, he's only in Mauritius. He's been... I don't know what he's doing there. He's, I've been to Mauritius. I've got a fair idea what he's doing. It's the size of a five-pinch piece. <laughs> he's been here for I've forever. I've got a fair idea what he's doing. What do you... Like, what do you why are you saying that? As if he'd be doing something untoward? He's relaxing. Yeah, you, but he's with his missus, right? Yeah, what, what do you well, mean? Then. What, sex? Well, <laughs> We're not in the, not in the 1950s. <laughs> well, not, well, not strip poker. <laughs> Hello, you filthy pair. You've got a smile on your face. What's you two been doing in the honeymoon suite, then? <laughs> uh, they have been having sex. It's going to be a terrible atmosphere. So, so, let me, right, so if, if Matt's not there mm. and Noel Fielding's not there, 
Who else have you got there to laugh at your rubbish joke? What Who's I've done is... Who's laughing in the background? <laughs> I've got here, I've got Rainbow George, who's trying to... Rainbow force... George is insane. How <laughs> 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 Right, based what, on... What, what are you based Rainbow George wants to defend I'm himself? basing on the fact that he actually went through that spiel last week about you being my London yeah. with kind of a... With kind of a straight face. Yeah, I know. Well, that ain't going to happen, is it? Well, let's see. I think it is going to happen, and I think you're going to get involved as well because we're, we're going to. Just cannot listen to you and not think of Dennis Norden, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We we met once actually at a uh, concert with Ian Dury. I gave you a CD. I don't like Ian. You Dury. gave him a don't VD. Don't like Ian Dury. No. Why not? Ian was just, a smashing just a personal player. taste. The same reason why I don't like the Clash. You don't like, oh my god, here he goes, iconoclast, Noel Gallagher wading in. Who's next? Lady Di? What's wrong with you? Anyway, uh, London. Rainbow George wants to talk about a mayor, not you and your beef with Joe Strummer. Let's get back to the important topic of this highfalutin London London, uh, Wonder City has to have a wonder wall. Oh, God. So, so Why is he reviewing the puns, George? You've upset John Rogers. It's, n- it's not a pun. It, 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 Wonder City, Wonder Wall. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what is that? What is now the M25. Yeah, well, we build a wall around it. Yeah. Hold on. And, All right. uh, and this wall contains homes for millions of people, brand new hospitals, brand new schools, brand new shops, we brand new him, everything. George. We've got loads of shops uh, and schools. Uh, one- John Rogers, the voice of John Rogers, he's become known as the voice of reason. The Wonder Wall of London, built on wonders. Mental. And, and, and <laughs> of, course it's, of course it's mental. Who's going to build it for stars? Yeah, who's building it, George? No, Gallagher raises People a fair point. People for wonders, will they? Millions? Of course they will. Who will? The, the, the wonder's going to become the world currency. Everyone's going to want to get hold of brand new wonders. OK, Noel, do you, as Rainbow George well, said... somewhat predictably, <laughs> I think somebody's been smoking something he shouldn't have. George, do you take drugs? Drugs, uh, I do smoke occasionally. Right. <laughs> OK, uh, okay right, I think we've got to the bottom of this. <laughs> Have you been, is now one of those occasions, Answer Noel Gallagher, formerly an advocate no. of drugs, turned into a sort of Kenneth Alleywell-style dr- anti-drug czar? I'm not anti-drugs. I know you're not, dear. I'm just, I'm just doing radio. <laughs> no, I, I do something else. I mean, the smoking ban in London, totally ridiculous. I quite like it. Atrocious. No. You think it's atrocious? No, yeah, I think it's a breach of civil liberties. Do you? Yeah, no, well, you know, you, they sell you cigarettes in the shop, but you can't smoke them anywhere. Yeah, I quite like that, though, because everywhere used to smell. And, like, I, know, I mean, civil what? liberties no. are... Well, Russell, you, with you as mayor... Have you mayor, been in a pub you... now that you can't smoke in it? Huh? You can smell other people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Worse. Yeah, it is worse. That is worse. The articles. Yeah, that smoke was providing us a nice fug with, within which people could hide their body odour. Well, it's true. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a good point, Noel. Well, go on, what about George? Did you have some policy? Yeah, well, on on the smoking side, there should be pubs where that are smoking pubs and non-smoking pubs, smoking restaurants, non-smoking restaurants. Non, we we non, should have the choice. The non-smoking area was working fine, wasn't it? It was working you all know, right. The smoking room at the airport. Yeah, that no, was all fair working enough. fine. And we should have and we should have we should have free public transport in London as well, and 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 that could be easily arranged. I yeah, like absolutely. L- what I'd do. What I'd do if I was mayor is I'd sort the underground out. How would you do that? Why would you sort out the... Go on, how? We'd put Dodgem cars down there. Wait up, George. George, <laughs> Noel Gallagher might raise a good point before you well, start well, turning into fairground. Because it's the worst... Uh, in any of the major cities in the world, the London Underground is the worst out of them all. 
Go on, on any other underground system in the world, it's fantastic. What, like the, the, that one in France they've got in Paris? That's amazing. Why, why do you like that so much? Why is it amazing? Why do you like I've never heard you speak so passionately about anything. Why well, is... And, and this has come from someone who's never been on the underground. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you see, if, lo if, if loads of people use the underground, there'd be less, there'd be, there'd be less traffic on the streets, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We could pedestrianise some places. It'd be nice to pedestrianise a few places. Oxford Street would be nice to pedestrianise, wouldn't it? Of course it would. It'd be lovely to pedestrianise Oxford Street, no. You wouldn't have the congestion charge and all that, people getting right about the congestion charge and all that. I'd like that. I'd like nothing more than Oxford Street to be pedestrianised. Perhaps, you know, perhaps... Look, if you're prepared to support this mayoral campaign, no. I'm not supporting you to be mayor of London. How? Why? What have you got against me? You've always well, you what, been right, trying to do me way. down. It's a straight-up run between you and Boris Johnson. Yeah. Boris Johnson would be far more fun than you. How? Why? Why you would you... eventually would take it so seriously <laughs> that you'd take it out. <laughs> I would take it quite seriously. It'd become a nasty little place, London, yeah, if I was in charge. You'd start acting like a dandy and a... And the Dickensian. Yeah, I would. Start taking London back into the old ages. Yeah, let's cobble the streets, why don't we? Yeah, let's ah, get that Jeff the Ripper chap back. You funny voice on, you might make it job. Just because there'd be less fumes. That's going to be a vote winner, isn't it? <laughs> People might like to live in a stunted Victorian society, except without the Victorian values, Noel. Imagine that. Yeah, sure, there'd be rippings on every street corner. People with doctor's bags scurrying off into alcoves. Corpses lying in the streets. The, the stink of dyspeptic filth up and down the gutters. But... Sounds like your. This sounds like your teenage years. Oh, oh those were the glory days. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Saying that, if they did bring back the Austrian carriage, they could probably bring back smoking in public, so they could drown out the smell of the. Um, yeah, the, the stinking manure. carcasses and manure. Also, opium dens. What happened to those? Then were the days, weren't they? Crack I, houses. I've I, spent I, some time I've in it, miserable. You, have you? You've got your own little opium den. Oh, little opium den. I'm surprised that Donovan will allow it. It won't be long before he clamps down on that and has it as another little one of these rusk vestibules. That's all right. You won't know where it is. It's a secret one. He's got a secret little opium den in his house. Well, Underneath uh, the swimming pool. It sounds all right. It sounds all right to me. Your principality. No wonder you're so indifferent to this mayoral campaign. You live in your own bonkers Kubla Khan, don't you? Kind of, no, but I do, no, I do live in London. This is just, this is just, just my, uh, what do we call it? I don't know, you normally call it your weekend, country weekend pile. No, have you got some sort of new album or something? People keep complaining that they're seeing your face more often they, than they can they do, should do. To tolerate, yeah. No, no, it won't be out till next year, we don't start, we don't really start recording the bulk of it till November. There's a DVD, is there? Is there something coming Oh, there's a DVD coming out, yeah. What is it? It's a DVD of, uh, the last tour that we've done. Which is all, you know, well and good. Okay, well, I might have to have a little look at that and make some snap judgments well, you on to. you. <laughs> I'm going to have a look well, at you it. You don't have to. Hey, watch me on the telly. I've finished my. I've, listen to this, Noel. Listen to this for an array of products. Go my on, TV then. show starts next Monday, Channel 4, 10 30, Ponderland. The trailer every night. night. It's funny. Yeah, you look like a little cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> around in your woman's jeans and your booties. <laughs> it's really funny. Watch it. <laughs> well, you look really funny, so it better be really funny. It is. The, the, the least funny thing about me is my physical appearance. The show is brilliant. Watch it every night. Also, you said that about your last TV show. That was a mistake. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of putting it. I'll try my hardest. We're under enormous pressure. This TV show, brilliant. We made that hastily. This one's very good. It's very funny. Watch it. It's on every night next week on Channel 4. Then... Oh, what's it called? Wuss in Boots? <laughs> it's called My Bookie Wook. As any good...
autobiography ought to be. Yeah, I, but I'm actually... In... <laughs> I did... Strangely, I'm interested in it for some reason. I don't brilliant. know why. It's really, really good. It's ever so well written. You'll enjoy it thoroughly. Take a good look at it. I didn't put you in it or put you in acknowledgements because I didn't want to be sycophantic. I thought if I put, like, if the acknowledgements was full of people that were celebrities, I thought, that's not going to look good. Yeah, but all, your ma all your mates are, in inverted commas, celebrities. Mm, not really. Only yeah, not really. No, they ain't. Who isn't a celebrity, then? Matt. Matt is. <laughs> Matt's not a celebrity. He's a celebrity in my world. Look, he well, that's... I celebrate Matt every time his name comes. I call. Oh, Go on, Matt. son. <laughs> Go on, Matt. Yeah, well, I mean, perhaps yeah. I mean, he's celebrated perhaps in 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 that fashion. But for heaven's sake, I mean, OK Magazine are never going to start taking photographs of his dingy little bedsit. Well, no, oh, you either. Huh? They don't take photographs of you, do they? Well, they would like to. I've had all sorts of offers. Let me tell you, from oh, Richard Desmond's publications. Well, you know, what kind of offers? Well, mostly the offers of cleaning, which which Go frankly on. I should. Oh, what? Would you seriously consider doing the barefoot shot in the kitchen? No, no, I wouldn't. Have you ever done anything like that? No. No. Why would I? I nearly swore then. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you for avoiding. No, then again, I mean, if, it, if they said right, here's ten million quid, and you prance barefoot round your house, and, yeah. um What are your feet like? Are they? I imagine you've got like little pig's trotters. My uh, feet, my feet are like Cinderella's little feet. <laughs> <laughs> little porcelain tosses. Really? With mirror. No, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll say so. Liam, don't drop kick phones into no. the river. You ain't got lovely little tootsies. No, I have got. I've got lovely little feet, but I haven't got. I haven't got mirrored slippers. That's for sure. <laughs> My feet are gorgeous. I well, because I was wondering how you managed to trap that lovely woman Sarah into a relationship, and perhaps it's because you've got these dainty little twinkle toes. How I managed to trap her was, yeah. you know. Go on, because well, you know, I just got out my bank statement and said, <laughs> "Look at that." Lovely. Where yeah. are you going to get a that? Do you know what? Well, I'm getting quite wealthy now since all these endeavours that I've been undertaking. Yeah, but you're selling your soul. I ain't selling my soul. You I'm oh, you're writing books about your memoirs. They're good, they're memoirs. Yeah, but that's giving yourself away. Mm, I don't know. So it's nothing I in do. it. That... Well, that's, we... what, that's what everyone else has been saying. <laughs> hey, I met a friend of yours the other day on, on, uh, in Malibu High Street. Who was David it? Cox. Who? David Cox. David Cox? Is he your, he, what's your agent's name? Oh, Brian Cox. Brian Cox. What? His girlfriend. Yeah, Angelica. She's like a mad German woman. Well, I'll tell you what, she doesn't like you. Hey, come on. She doesn't. Yeah, Brian Cox, the accountant Brian of John Noel Management, uh, John Noel Management, looks after she me. Looked, she was, she was quite, she, actually, she looked like a right character. She is a character. Brian Cox, her, he's uh, this woman's boyfriend. He's the accountant of John Noel. While he was in hospital having, having had an heart attack, he smoked crack. Now he's in charge of all of our money. <laughs> Well, isn't that not a bit worrying? He's, he's in hospital having had a heart attack. He smoked crack. Is that well, right or proper? Because she kind of pulled us in the street and says, oh, you know Russell. And I was like, um, yeah. She said, he told me all about you. And I was like, really? Mm -hmm. And she mm -hmm. said, you're all, all good and blah, 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 and all that. And she walked off and said to the missus, said, she'd be immense to go out for a drink with that woman. Yeah, she, she's pretty incredible. She's she like, a... she's... What's the accent? Is it Welsh or Geordie or...? She's from Germany. That's, oh. for, that's what German people sound like, you poor provincial man. <laughs> never leaving your mansion. Except, except German, to escape your son. Well, she is. She's German. She's a German woman. Yeah, she's a wonderful lady. And while we're on the subject of me... I've gone celibate. There. Try Good. that. Good. Yeah, well, thank you. I have to listen to your filthy stories of what, what did you go up to last night? Ooh, how explicit can one be? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all over because now I'm celibate. Because since I've decided to become sort of like a messianic spiritual leader, not a mayor though, George, because I don't think the democracy is the answer. 
Democracy is a bloody great big myth. That's why Noam Chomsky is so upset. You need to be a despot like me. This is just a stepping stone to whatever you want to achieve, Russell. Rainbow George has been here. He's off his box as well. I'm worried sick about the contributors to this show. Right, Noel, I'll tell you what, I appreciate your call very much. We'll I didn't be... call you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that. You I call know. me. I know you do. I know. If it wasn't for me and my phone calls, this relationship would wither on the vine. Yeah. So, uh, listen, give my love to Sarah. Kiss be. your beautiful son for I me. Do us a favour. Go on. Say hello to my mate Claire, who's up there, who's up on the other part of the house. So just say hello, Claire. Claire, hello, darling. You're so, in the other part of the house, the way he lives. He can't even, he has to use the BBC to communicate with people in his own home. He's living the dream. <laughs> Noel Gallagher, everyone. Thank you very much for See your later, time, Rob, Noel Gallagher. Let's dedicate this song to Noel Gallagher. It's his favourite band. Why, it's The Clash, of course, with London Calling. This is Russell Brown on BBC Radio 2. There goes the clash with London calling before that. We had Noel Gallagher on the phone for ages and ages, telling us loads of stuff. We've got a real window into Noel Gallagher's private life there, and frankly, it's, it's pretty appalling and shocking stuff. Now, um, I think about this time of an evening, 10.30, Saturday, well, England's Rugby World Cup dreams having been dashed, I like to reflect on the uh, sexuality of animals. Now, uh, listen to this. Apparently, says Vicky, there are some gay swans. There was a big lake in the USA. There were beautiful swans there. Some were called Romeo and Juliet. People realised, though, that the swans were not actually of opposite gender because they didn't have any eggs. They were just living together in a gay way. Now, this is useful information from this perspective because some people... Like the other day, Right, you know Simon Amstel. Of course, you know him. He, he hosts Never Mind the Buzzcocks. He's my mate. He featured in my autobiography. I was reading him a bit of it. I go, "See, well, look, I mentioned you," and and, uh, and uh, I said, and I described him thusly: my excellent gay chum, Simon Amstel. His little face sort of froze, and I said, "What's the problem?" And he goes, "Well, why have you said gay?" And I said, "Well, just because you're gay and that." And he said, "But that's like that's in an innate quality of mine. It's like why I'd not describe me as brown-eyed." I realised at that point. Uh, a terrible prejudiced man and <laughs> I described him as gay completely unnecessarily and uh, so I suppose that the idea of uh, homosexuality with animals is therefore useful because it's described it, it makes it clear that it's an, an inveterate quality rather than a lifestyle choice or something in, that's in any way saucy. That's why on the phone right now is a gentleman key called Peter Bockman. He is Norway's leading expert in homosexual animals. Now, some argue that he's the second best homosexual expert in Norway, but those people are heretics. Peter, are you there? I'm here. Are you in Norway right now? I am an, indeed. Is it nice in Norway? Uh, it's sort of darkish. Dark, that's what I imagine. I think Norway, I think Viking, then I think dark. But as I've revealed already, I'm a deeply prejudiced man who <laughs> abused Simon Amstel's sexuality as a way of making me seem more liberal. Now, uh, what, are you, what have you got to say about... Why are you expert on gay animals? How's this happened? Well, uh, first of all, I have to say, I'm not sort of that big of an expert. I'm Norway's leading expert, which only means I've read the book and the other ones haven't. So right. I'm not that much of an expert, really. But You've just read one book, and that's put you at yeah, the I've top. I've read a couple of them and followed down on articles, but I'm not sort of the expert going around poking under animals behind <laughs> and see what they're up to, really. Yeah, that, isn't, that has never been necessary. So, like, it's not that competitive 
to not <laughs> really. No. There's not people going. How I know more about gay animals in <laughs> Oslo. Oh, there are people going like going about that, that way too. But well, uh, I was uh, sort of involved in making an exhibition about homosexual animals. That's why I'm. Why are you making an exhibition of them? Let them do it privately. Come on, Peter. <laughs> Don't well, turn them into freaks. <laughs> the idea was that you always hear this argument that uh, homosexuality is something that only humans do, is something unnatural. So mm. we wanted to have a critical look at that. So we made an exhibition. Sort of got a bit of wind too, really. What's in this exhibition of yours, Peter? Well, pictures of animals doing naughty things. What sort of naughty things? Mm. And uh, there's dolphins having. Well, this is sort of a record, really, in the animal kingdom. Nose sex. Nose sex? They use yeah. them bottle noses for sexy yeah, they, purposes. They use, they are, those are the, um, the Amazon River dolphin. They use the blowhole, which is their nose nostrils. So it's the only example of nasal sex really. They, about. Having sex down the blowhole? And dolphins having blowhole sex? Yes, indeed. Dolphins are sort of, if you can imagine, dolphins are very social animals. And mm, very they sound social, animals. too social. I mean, if that if they're socialising by having sex up each other's nose holes, that's too. <laughs> I'd rather they stayed indoors, just watch the television. <laughs> Once like the, a nasal cavity should not be used as the a depository, should well, it? It's not like they're doing it for a long time at a time because they need to breathe through the same hole as well. That's right. They they're quite quick about it and um, take turns. So it's just brief, they just sort of pop it in. It's like, I suppose, I suppose in the equivalent in human sex is like maybe you'll spend a bit of time perhaps squeezing boobs, then you'll move on to a more, uh, more of a, an important erogenous zone. So the nose, do a little bit of blowhole, pop it in the blowhole for a while, then it's on to the proper business of sex before your partner is asphyxiated. <laughs> more or less like that, the often is that um, they do it in between males and in between females and, well, sort of, even across species, there's a lot of species of dolphin up the river, which they occasionally engage with, so... What? Interspecial blowhole sex? Even that, yes. Well, good. You know, I mean, hats off to the dolphins, because they're looking, for, for me, the dolphins are sex pioneers. Not only are they using innovative orifices, they're getting right across the species. So they, I'm, I'm they do. Well, they wouldn't be the only ones. Uh, there is, okay, there, there's been recordings of uh, chimpanzees having a go at young um, baboons. Chim young baboons? Yes, young male chimpanzees, young mm. male baboons, meeting at the forest edge, and hello there, handsome, and there you go. That's pretty romantic in a way, isn't it? Because you think about it, like the chimpanzees, they probably feel quite... It's a, a, a very much a Montague Capulet situation, because the chimpanzees, they know it's wrong to have sex <laughs> with the young baboons, but the feeling is much too strong. <laughs> they, have, they drift off to the periphery of the forest and have sex with baboons. Well, the interesting thing about the chimpanzees is that they don't really care. Now, there are two species... They don't really care about what you mean. They're nihilists. I think we always... Uh, I never thought that the chimpanzees... Oh, the thing about chimpanzees, they're, so, they're damned to a life of introspection. Chimpanzees, I know that they're nuts, because that's why it's always like a chimpanzee's tea party in here. Although now, what we have to incorporate into that image is a sobbing baboon on the edge of a forest. <laughs> 
they, 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 about their, well, they care, of course, but I don't care about what they do sexually. They don't care about what no. they do sexually. Go on, no. then. Give us some of the things, just some of the things these chimpanzees get up to. Well, there are really two species of chimpanzee. You have a common chimpanzee with sort of uh, really, really sort of beating up other people's type of bloke. But then you have the what? other species. What of common chimpanzees? What they yobs? Yeah, we'll see hooligans, really. They're hooligans. The, yes. the common chimpanzee is just a hooligan, and what sort of sex are they having? Well, uh, mostly the regular kind. Um, right. But of course, pretty it's pedestrian the back position. Sorry, what position? The back position, front okay. to back. Fair enough. But you have the other species, the bonobo, and that's an interesting little animal because they look like a chimpanzee and they mostly behave like a chimpanzee, except they are peaceful and they solve all their problems with sex. Peter, I imagine you now with a bubble pipe and an open dressing gown erect. Is that pretty much thing over your shoulders like a Batman cape, like, a, <laughs> like when you're young and you play Batman by pulling your hood over your head? And smoking a bubble pipe... Talks, I'm very sorry to disappoint you, that's a worn with... T-shirt for me. What are you doing? What, you're just wearing what? A worn T-shirt. A, a worn T-shirt, but no trousers or pants, if you don't mind me being rude. And I can't imagine how I could ever insult a man like you who spends his time peering into the Amazon, looking at dolphins misusing each other's blowholes. <laughs> how could I ever offend such a chap? <laughs> well, as I said, I'm not the one doing the actual looking. Actually, I'm an expert What are you sport, doing? So Someone you... else has a look, and then what do you do? You're a voyeur of the voyeurs. Who's policing the police? It's Peter Bachman. He's watching people peering into the Amazon. Well, that would be me, yes. <laughs> Listen, I've got hold on. While you've been talking to me, these things have happened. Someone called Chloe sent us this email. Just thought I'd let you know that since you're talking about gay animals, my boss has two female Jack Russells. They were very friendly with each other in my boss's front window. I think that's a euphemism for her boss's genitals. Letting the whole street see. She sent them to the vets. Apparently now they're both fine. Oh, the vet can't cure... Let, oh, I don't know. I can't imagine what they would do. They're female Jack Russells. Like both G and John Rogers made the motion of scissors. But what are you going to cut off a female Jack Russell? His eyelashes. Gee, oh my word, that was the most horrible <laughs> mind. Uh, as well, uh, lesbian Jack Russells, has this entered into your field of expertise? Well, sort of, really. Uh, what we know is that all domestic animals have occasional episodes of homosexual behaviour. Uh, at least you know that for all species, even parrots and chicken and horses and camels and elephants. And camels aren't domestic! <laughs> you can't have a camel in your house unless you're a Bedouin and well, the whole house Arab, is the can. desert. What? Sorry? Did you just say you can have a camel in your house? Well, if you're an Arab, you can. Peter, you in are Arabia, the, one of the most stinking dirty racists we've ever had on this show, and Noel Gallagher's just put the phone down. So that's <laughs> the kind of competition you're up against. They, uh, the desert is not a house, you ridiculous man. Your whole study has to be called into question now. Oh. Listen, we've got another, we've got another uh, email here. It's from someone called... Hmm, Fulmar Drilling. That's an interesting name. Gay animals is no new thing, Russ. We had a pair of gay dogs who used to do it uh, after dinner. It was in the 80s. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Crazy days. <laughs> there you go. So, okay, Peter, unless you offer me... Let's have something in conclusion. Yeah, well, I think we all knew that, that there were gay animals because... Why wouldn't there be? You know, what else are you going to do? You're an animal, you can't read, the telly don't make any sense. Have it off. <laughs> You know, yeah. fair enough. That's, that's sort of a, a way to see it. The thing is that people have sort of been hung up about sex being purely for reproduction. But I mean, yeah, that's it isn't. boring. Look at all humans. We don't have sex for reproduction. No, we, we don't. Children, we have sex. 
No, that's the last thing we want, them lot turning up. They ruin the sex, don't they? They do indeed, and they're noisy, and they're puking, and God have it, yes. So, noisy, so, puking little characters. Yes, ooh. Well, the thing is that sex in, in humans and in all other animals, really, is mostly for social reasons. And sex is a social tool. Good point, Peter. I'm glad you've come on here saying that sex is sort of like conkers. It's just something to do when you're a bit bored. <laughs> you're a lovely fella. Peter, we've got to go now because I fancy we're going to listen to the Water Boys. We've got to divide up this show. We've got a lot of interesting things that we've got to resolve. I like you, Peter, because you're so absurd, it don't, you seem fictional. So that you're, but you don't seem... I know that you are a real man, and the, the very idea that after we put the phone down, you're out there continuing to live your life makes me smile. That you're, gonna, you're just out there living, aren't you? I am indeed. That's Peter. This world is made up of such diversity. This planet that we all live on now consists of people like Rainbow George, people like Peter, people like Noel Gallagher. Look at the crazy little planet that we all exist on. Isn't it ridiculous that we bother to fight each other? We should all just sit down thinking about gay animals and rainbow revolutions. Let's listen to the Water Boys. Thank you very much, Peter. I love you. Bye. Bye, you little perv. <laughs> He's lovely, isn't he? There he goes. Listen to the Water Boys. Oh, yeah, I love them, Flight of the Concords. That was a trial for them just then. Listen to that show, it would be good. Uh, I ain't watched that television programme, but I've seen the advert for it, and I like the look of it. I, I, I just didn't have time to watch it, but I think it's probably really good. I saw them once doing some live things, then Flight of the Concords. They are, well, I don't think they need my endorsement. They seem to be doing very well. They're just living their lives. They're out there. Now, I just tried to ring Noel Fielding. He was uh, on this show last week, helping Ian arching his phone. One can only assume that at 10 or 11 on a Saturday night, Noel Fielding is out. <laughs> He's just out living his life regardless of what's going on here. Ignorant to my mayoral campaign, or like speculative mayoral campaign. You're right, George, you look I am poised a, to deliver a, a pun. No pun, no pun. I'm just feeling that this is not going the way that I would have liked what, the you, script to have been written. Because I, I don't... I am a fatalist. I, I do believe that everything is written except for the results of football matches. Other than that, yeah. everything is stained already. No, I mean, look, I do want a revolution. I think it'll be, you know... Chaotic. I don't think the buses would run properly. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we should, you know, yield our principles. Everything would run wonderfully. We need to liberate ourselves from the government. I bet if classes. I left you to look after my cat Morrissey while I was on holiday, I'd come back and you'd have shaved him or like put him out to work as a rent boy or something. You're like, you're, you're too chaotic. Me, chaotic. Yeah, you're chaotic. I'm not chaotic. I'm yeah. just a little bit crazy, maybe. Not, not insane, as, I know, as, 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 as Noah called me. Infrastructure. We need infrastructure. Look, for heaven, like, I mean, I'm up, I want a revolution, there will be one, but we're going to need Professor Noam Chomsky to cheer right up and come on the show. We've got to cheer up Chomsky, let's not forget that that happened. Absolutely. Without Noam Chomsky, I don't see how we're going to do a proper revolution. It's going to be tricky, it's going to be difficult. Hugo Chavez over there in Venezuela. We're going to need his advice. We'll do a proper revolution, not based on dopey words, but based on, you know, socialism and equality, fraternity, things what done that other revolution Rainbow, that French fellas did. Rainbowism or Leninism, as in John Lennon, it's, it's carrying on that, that baton, just well, a, yeah. imagining a world that lives in peace and harmony. Unless we imagine it, it, You're it will right, never happen. You're right, we do have to imagine it first, but after the imagination... <laughs> <laughs> 
imagine bus times tables. No, we can uh, get rid of taxation altogether. It's, it, I know, I know. I've got... Look, George, we'll, we'll do a revolution. We've just got to take it slowly. That's you know? OK. We've got time. We've got plenty of time, haven't so we? So you're, you're waiting for the million signatures, and, and, and then you, you'll say yes, if I've got... I mean, Ken Livingstone only got about 800,000 votes Yeah, last if, you get, time. if you can get a, a million signatures, then, uh, then I still won't do it, because my agency, like, you know... But you still the, won't do it? Well, no, because people will think, like, you know, because then when we properly do a revolution, people will go, hold on, they're crackpots, we can't let them run the country, so let's just wait very we're, patiently. We're talking about London, not the country. We're talking about London becoming a self Let's get the whole damn planet, George. We want the old planet. But it has to start Somewhere. You want further devolution in independent London? Yeah, self-governing city. I mean, look at the people we've Leisure got. Leisure-oriented. I'd like the idea of it, but think of the people in our parliament, right? Look who we've got. Noel Gallagher, mad, right? Listen, <laughs> he wants to pedestrianise Oxford Street and have everyone smoking left, right and centre. Noel Fielding, who dreams, and I believe this is verbatim, of a pink moon circling the normal moon, and then the normal moon burst into flames, ruining a tennis match. That's what's happening in his mind. I was going to put him in charge of schools. Can you imagine <laughs> what's going to go on? Then there's you, you big daft sausage. And me, I'm the sensible one. What kind of political party is that? Hey, You're the sensible one. I'm the one that's the, being If you were reasonable. sensible, you would be saying, yes, I'm going to go for this, and, and, and uh, I, of... I, I'm going to lead... George, lead, lead us all to a world of wonders. There will o be only a world you of can wonders. do it. There will be a world of wonders. But come on, I've got to focus on my celibacy. Your celibacy. Huh? Yeah, I'm being celibate now. Sex is daft. Now listen to this, all that sweating and grunting. How long have you been celibate? I don't know. What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> right, listen to this. There's a lady who's got a toothbrush up her nose. Doctors in India have removed a toothbrush from a woman's nose. Why wouldn't they? The housewife says she isn't sure how the three-inch-long toothbrush got lodged in her nostril. She approached a hospital in Mumbai two months ago suffering from severe pain. That's a bit of a vague thing to turn up at a hospital complain of. I mean, severe pain! Oh, well, you're in the right place. I mean, this is a hospital. Can you be any more specific? No, I'm leaving! The Mumbai Mirror reports that the broken toothbrush brush showed up during a CT scan. Shocking doctors. The 31-year-old woman said, I was brushing my teeth, my husband... He's hitting her, isn't he? Because, like, why would you... If, how could, you couldn't accidentally knock someone while they were cleaning their teeth so hard that the toothbrush went all the way up their nose. Unless you were an Amazonian dolphin and what you were actually trying to do was sex them up while they were colgating away on their gnashes. And I can't see why a dolphin would clean its teeth anyway. How would it do it? The whole thing is just a conglomeration of too many diverse notions. She said, I was left holding the lower portion of the brush but couldn't locate the rest of it. So, like, if half of my toothbrush disappears and I've got a great big pain up my snout, I'm going to investigate that situation. I'm going to think, oh, well, can't find the rest of that toothbrush. On with the day! <laughs> Let's ignore this agony in my sinuses. What kind of a person is she? What's going on in Mumbai? People need to focus. Oh, yeah. Oh, there, listen to this, she says. I was left holding the lower portion of the brush, couldn't locate the rest of it. Soon after, I started bleeding profusely from the nose. Almost as if the nose was trying to tell me something in a red river of language. <laughs> look inside the nose for the toothbrush. If you're, again, look up the old nose. It seems clear to me. But since that day, I began getting breathless and a foul-smelling discharge began to come out of my nose. That's an awful place to have a foul-smelling discharge. 
discharge coming from because there's no discharge coming out of your ear. You're just listening to a foul-smelling discharge. You think, ugh, that sounds like it might smell bad. But if it's coming out of your nose, you're never free of it. That's like having a, a, foul, a foul-tasting discharge coming out of your tongue or a foul-looking discharge coming out of your eyes. It's as if it's attacking the very sense that it's situated within. Unless you've got that thing, synthesia, what Kandinsky, the artist, has. I think it's called synthesia. I mispronounce it about ten times a week. What it is, is it means you can hear colour and see sound. That's why Kandinsky's paintings look unusual, because he's painting a noise. Imagine trying to paint a noise. If so, Kandinsky, he could have a foul-smelling discharge coming out of his nose, and he'd just think, oh, my nose feels a bit yellow. So there you are, he could cope with it. But this woman in Mumbai, she's got no excuse for her antics. Dr. Cashel Sheath, who performed the surgery, said the odour from her nose was so bad that it could be smelt from a distance of two feet. <laughs> I like that. And instead of doing the surgery, he was going, mm, three feet, no, nothing. Two and a half feet, nothing. Two feet, ah, oh, you stink! Get on with the surgery! What kind of a doctor are you? Instead of playing a sort of version of British Bulldog with a sick woman with a toothbrush up her rooter. If the object had fallen into her windpipe, said the doctor, she could have choked to death. Well, there you go. That's what's going on in our stinking, dirty little circle we call Weld. Okay, time now for the Poet Laureate of the show. Mr. Are you ready? Because he's still writing stuff down. Are you ready to summarise the show? You need one more minute to write the show. Okay, well, let's use that minute to talk to lovable, eccentric, and potential career ruiner, Rainbow George. (laughs) Right, so, George, now look, this is my general feeling that we should, I think that the revolution should be put on hold till we've got a little more consensus, till we've gathered critical mass, till we have enough people saying, OK, we want the world to change. Often it takes cataclysm to bring about revolution. I don't reckon the October or is it November? When were them uprisings in uh, Russia? October. Them October uprisings wouldn't have happened if the feudal system in Russia had been quite nice and pleasant. People would have gone, oh, it's all right like this. People are apathetic. Even Noam Chomsky can't be bothered to come on the radio because he feels cheesed off. So, you know, once Noam Chomsky can't be bothered... You know, like, people are not apathetic. People are waiting for something worth voting for. Well, and, it's going to happen, baby, but not voting for, because we're against democracy. As Ken Livingstone said in his own book, if voting changed anything, they'd abolish it. But how did he become mayor? Through votes. The whole thing's ridden with hypocrisy. So, uh, listen, let's listen, to a je- uh, let's listen to a poet now and continue to reflect. I'm not going to not do a revolution. There will be a revolution. China will be kicked right out of Tibet. That woman's too brush will be shoved right in her ear hole. That's my two main policies. Dolphins can do what they like in Rainbow Land. But now let's have a little listen to Poet Laureate of the show, Mr G. Here he is, let's go. Okay. In the instant of a moment, it's a befitting component, a manifesto based on espresso, watch the bar door swing open. Norm's not a happy Chomsky, and his philosophy has already probably linked the ethics of snuff ingestion to George's expression of authority. Oddly enough, it is a world of wonders, and one wonders what London would become from Twinkle Toll Noel fixing our woes under the tundra. Yet an electoral blunder could see Russell thrown into the hot seat, inviting every single animal into Parliament regardless of their sexuality. And where's Matt amidst all this? Sailing the ocean blue, he's probably plodding away with Chomsky, getting ready to plan a coup. There it is, Mr G, pilot of the show! Thank you very much, everyone that's contributed to this programme. Victoria Wood, she is going to cheer up Noam Chomsky, hopefully, with this lady. Thing. She saved a ladybird from burning. Well, I want... Go on, George. Rainbow George, thank you for coming along. What do you want to say? 
Just sign the petition. Where can people sign the petition? Brandspankingnewlondon.com If you want to sign that petition, then do. Sign away that petition and, uh, you know, I mean... And when we reach a million, Russell has to do it. But I don't want to be a mayor. It's probably boring. Well, so Let's so go you, to meetings no, 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 you do can, writing. You can be standing against having a mayor altogether. You can be giving the people of London the chance so to vote not to have a mayor. We didn't use, remember, we didn't use to have one. Everything was basically the same. <laughs> Nothing's really changed. No, it's all like, oh, we've got a mayor now, and now the rain tastes of lemonade. It's just <laughs> the same. The whole thing's been made up. The the whole idea of democracy is a lie. They're all the same. They're all lying to us. Cameron, Blair, Brown, it's all balderdash. The whole thing's a filthy, <laughs> stinking lie. Don't vote for any of them. Ignore it. Let's come out into the streets. We don't need mayors. What we need is each other. Why don't we listen to the voice inside our hearts and minds? Find a freedom. Cheer up, Chomsky. Get the Chinese out of Tibet. The revolution's already started because it's within us all. We are the revolution. We don't need mayors. We don't need votes. We don't need nothing as long as we've got each other. We got Noel Gallagher, ain't we? We got Noel Fielding. We got Mr. G. We got Victoria Wood. We've even got Rainbow George Weiss on side. We're all okay. We're already free. Freedom's only a decision. We don't have to worry about nothing. Everything's going to be Right, I think. Okay, so yeah, who else have I got to thank? That bonkers bloke in Norway, thank you to him for t coming on. He was unusual, wasn't he? One unusual show. And next week we've got Matt Morgan back here, who frankly, I've realised, does a good job. Not, e not even just contributing, he runs that bloody desk. Yep. Nick, Nick, <laughs> whose job it is to do that, it's chaotic. It. Mr G don't go near the desk, he concentrates on his poems. Nick, our insomniac liar of a producer, spending most of his time napping, Nick Van Winkle, I call him now. Right, he, what about last week? He, all that chaos, weren't there? Different records coming on, Kate Bush turned and up. producers are meant to go on a course to learn the desk. There's a course for him. And He's... Matt learnt it on the job. Matt just learnt it, sat there. He just learned he's sad. He don't even concentrate. He's the laziest person you're ever likely to meet, Matt. He runs that desk without <laughs> even trying, that boy. Where is he? He's going to be back here next week. Unfortunately, I'm off in Los Angeles and New York meeting. Yeah, that's it. Morrissey. Moguls. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, yeah, there's going to be moguls. I'm, I'm not supposed to say that, meeting Morrissey. I'm not <laughs> no. meeting Morrissey. No, no one worry about me meeting actual Morrissey. Nibs They're talking about right. a forthcoming film. What? Sorry? Nib's going to be all right. Mr. Nibs, he's not going to be all right, G, because he is stone dead. So <laughs> there's nothing we can do about that. He's gone forever. He was a lovely contributor to the show, but he's gone now and we have to move on. Okay, coming up is a little show we like to call the news, but given all the talk we've had about the manufacturer consent and Noam Chomsky, I wouldn't take it that seriously, <laughs> as it's all designed to keep us docile and stupid. Now then, why don't we get out there right on top? I'm going to go on the streets now and start kicking over bins until a new government just formulates yes! out of that. So then the revolution has started officially you can sign that petition if you want to, but more important is that you watch Ponderland on Channel 4 next week, every night of the week. I actually love you. I actually love you with genuine love. Thanks for listening to the show, uh, listen to the podcast, if you feel like it. Thank you, Georgie Boy, you gorgeous creature. This is BBC Radio 2, online on digital and on 88 to 91 FM. Russell Brand. <laughs>